and the firm's balance sheet shows whether all of this work you're doing every day, every week, every month, every year is actually building any equity in your business, which if you do it right, you should build equity and you should be able to turn your law firm into a valuable, saleable asset. While Arjun was away, Team Arjun came to play. All the cats out of the bag now, folks. But we're still here bringing you our favorite and most importantly, actionable insights to Arjun's newest book, Profit First for Lawyers. We're going to help you accelerate your law firm's growth so that you can experience more profit in every aspect of your life. We're also going to be providing some behind-the-scenes footage of what it's really like to work with Arjun Robbins. So, put your BS aside for the next few minutes and put yourself, your family, your firm, and your profit first. Welcome back to another episode of the Profit First for Lawyers podcast. I'm your host, Carly, and today we're continuing on in our seven-part series of the seven main parts of every successful law firm with part six, financial controls. If you haven't listened to parts one through five, I highly recommend that you go check those out first. We've got links in our show notes below. We're getting close to the end here, folks. And if you thought the tea was hot before, today it's boiling over. <laughs> After we have ourselves a little tea party, we're going to play a clip from the audiobook where Arjun explains what part six is and how to get it in alignment with the five parts we've already spoken about. We do not have a scene from the cutting room floor today, folks, because, well, frankly, we never made it to part six in the early recordings. <laughs> So instead, what we're going to share is a clip from chapter 14, where Arjun shares some totally true stories about the power of a budget variance report, and how in some cases, he's even seen it save lives. So first up today, it's time for tea. When last we left our heroes. So Arjun and I had kind of had it out in the studio about the script that he said would work in the morning, but which still apparently didn't work when we were physically in the studio. So we decided to leave chapter 5 once more for the following day. Okay, so now here we are. Attempt number four. So we throw out the third script. We bring back in the original. Arjun's gone over the first couple of parts at least enough times that we're all flowing pretty smoothly by now, right? He knows about what he wants to say, when he wants to say it, right? I'm sending so much positive performance energy his way, I think I might actually kill some brain cells. So before too terribly long... Arjun is pausing again, and he's making some faces, and the energy in the room is going south really fast. And eventually he says, nope, I'm too frustrated for this chapter. It is genuinely pissing me off. We're going to come back to this later. So we take another break from chapter five. We do some other chapter work. We go to lunch. We banter a bit. The energy's starting improving. And I tell Arjun that since he's in such a good mood, we're going to try chapter five again as soon as we get back to the studio after lunch. So as we're packing up the table, right, Arjun goes to the counter and he buys a bottle of beer. And instantly I'm thinking, my gosh, I've driven the man to drink. <laughs> So we drive back to the studio, we're unloading everything, we get Arjun set up, we pop the cap on the beer, he starts playing some classic rock to get in the mood, and he takes a long pull from the bottle, and then he sets it down, he looks me in the eyes, and he nods, so it's go time, right? We pull up the transcript, Arjun's reading from this thing, honestly, he's practically gritting his teeth to even get the words out. I should mention that this was our very last day in the studio. This is Friday. The studio wasn't even open on the weekends. My flight was scheduled to leave the next day. I'm supposed to go back to Idaho. So this attempt was our do or die. And we just, we couldn't get through it. No matter how hard we tried, it just didn't work. 
We took another break. We were all frustrated by this point. We all completely loathed this chapter. There's a little throwback for you. Nonetheless, the book needed it. We had maybe an hour left of our studio time. So while Arjun and our cameraman Dylan sat down and tried to kind of regain their good moods and the good energy, I trekked upstairs to the booth and I prepared to frankly grovel. Lalo, so Lalo was the gentleman who owned the studio. I said, Lalo, we can't get through this chapter today. What can I do to convince you to open the studio tomorrow morning so we can try one more time? I don't really know what was on my face, but thankfully Lalo took pity on me and he agreed to open the studio for us the next day. He agreed to wake up early and meet us there and get this chapter finally knocked out. I called my airline. I got booked on the later flight for that afternoon. And we had just given ourselves one more shot, literally one more shot before we had to either successfully get through this chapter or else seed defeat. And that's where I'm going to leave the story today, folks. Now let's let Arjun speak about what the sixth main part is and how we should get it in alignment. Let's roll the clip. Which brings us to part number six, which is financial controls. If you get the marketing done right and you do the sales right and you get the production right and you manage your people effectively and they use the tools and resources that you give them in the physical plant, you're going to have this stuff called revenue and expenses and profit. In addition to the typical traditional financial statements, which is the profit and loss statement, which shows revenue coming in, expenses going out, and the difference between revenues and expenses going out, which is typically described as profit. You also have a balance sheet. The balance sheet shows the assets that the firm owns, the liabilities that the firm owes, including uncompleted work that's owed to clients and the value or the cost associated with that incomplete work that you still owe to the clients. And the difference between the assets versus the liabilities shows you how much equity you have in your law firm. So your profit and loss statement is like an income statement, shows you income coming in, expenses going out, money left over, and the firm's balance sheet shows whether all of this work you're doing every day, every week, every month, every year, is actually building any equity in your business, which if you do it right, you should build equity and you should be able to turn your law firm into a valuable, saleable asset. I know there's lots of lawyers who think you can't sell a law firm, but they're wrong. You can sell a law firm, and every year there are thousands of law firms that are being bought and sold by entrepreneurs who understand how to put profit first. In addition to the typical financial statements, the P&L, the balance sheet, and of course the cash flow report, which shows the cash coming in, the cash coming out, there are other key performance indicators and metrics that you're going to want to keep track of on your dashboard so that... You can look at a glance to see if everything's working properly under the hood. Let's dig a little deeper on some of those financial reports. So I found a section from Chapter 14 where Arjun starts going into some pretty good detail on your budget variance report and how, in some cases, it can even save lives. Let's roll that clip. A budget variance report gives you context. It also points the way and helps you identify small problems early before they become big problems and big opportunities you might not have otherwise noticed until it was too late and therefore you have to miss out on them. 
To illustrate, let's take common examples of the sort of intelligence that is often found when a bookkeeper who does not suck cares enough to charge a little bit more so they can afford to invest the time required to walk you through your law firm's financials. Remember, I can't make this stuff up. If I could make this stuff up, I'd be writing fiction. I'd be working in Hollywood writing screenplays. I can't make this stuff up. One of our clients gave an employee a gas card to help with the employee's long commute. Based on mileage, fuel prices, and the efficiency of the employee's vehicle, we projected the expense to the firm would be about $150 per month. Covering expenses for employees, by the way, is a much more profitable approach for you than merely giving raises because of the tax benefits. But anyway, the point is, after a few months, something stood out. The variance was growing and not in the right direction. After five months, when the firm's monthly variance grew to 100%, in other words, the firm was covering $300 a month instead of $150 a month, an investigation was begun. Keep in mind, a 100% variance on a $150 per month cost might raise fewer red flags than a much smaller 20% variance on a $10,000 line item. It all depends on scale. In other words, 100% of $150 is only $150, whereas 20% on $10,000 is $2,000. So you look at the large percentage variances and you look at the dollar percentages that are large, even if the percentages are small. In any event, after seeing a five-month trend, the investigation got started, and we pretty quickly ruled out the following potential explanations. Fuel prices had not doubled. The employee was still driving the same vehicle. She hadn't gone from an economy car to a big SUV or something. The employee had not moved farther away from the office, so she wasn't presumably driving twice as much. And the employee did not appear to be misusing the gas card by purchasing fuel for family and friends, as happened to a friend of mine, where he discovered that his employee was using his gas card to fuel up her boyfriend's car every time she fueled up her car. And, but that one was really easy to spot because her car only held 20 gallons of fuel and she kept buying 40 gallons at a time. Anyway, so as a last resort, we sent the employee to a trusted mechanic. And what we discovered was that there was a puddle of fuel directly under the rear seat above the fuel tank. There was a consistent trickle of gasoline dripping down under the vehicle everywhere it went. It turns out there was a leak in the sending unit on the top of the gas tank. And between the gasoline that was leaking out through the sending unit and the lost efficiency from the depressurized fuel tank or something like that that the mechanic explained. Anyway, that accounted for the extra fuel being consumed. Oh, and by the way, we potentially saved this person's life and helped the environment because she was pouring fuel all over the road everywhere she went. Anyway, a budget variance report potentially saved her life. That's the point. Woo, buddy. If those stories don't convince you to prioritize your budget variance report, I don't know what will. <laughs> Honestly, though, I've never been so invested or interested in financial reports. <laughs> All right, folks, that's what we've got for you today. I hope you've been getting a lot of actionable insights from these episodes so far. 
Stay tuned next time as we have a very special guest interview with Arjun's former right-hand gal, Stephanie Galvis. Stephanie honestly has worked with Arjun longer than almost anyone else I can think of, and she brings the insights in her interview. You're not going to want to miss it. I'll see you then. Thank you for joining us on another episode of Profit First for Lawyers. If you're enjoying what you're hearing, tell a friend. And buy your copy of the book at ProfitFirstForLawyers.com. Your future self will thank you for it. And we will see you next time.